Merry Christmas, Redemption. My name is Tim, and I'm a member here. Today I'll be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 13 to 23. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted, because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and were, went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. This is God's word for us today. Thank you, Tim. If you would, please join me as I pray when we look to God's word. Father, we pray that in the hustle and bustle of this holiday season with all of our planning and preparation to even just be here and all that will come in the days ahead, we pray that you would quiet our hearts now even just for a moment, that we would truly hear from your word, that we would gain some insight here into the peculiar heavenly power of this newborn king, that he would shape and fashion our lives in every way. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, what does it mean, I want to ask, to have power? You, you might think of what it means even for a house to have power. When a house has power, right, this means that when you go to flip the switch on, bow, right, the light kind of pours into the room. Uh, it means that when you go and turn that thermostat up, eventually, oh, right, the house gets a little warmer. It means that when you hit that button on your garage door, right, that thing goes up, right? In, in sort of a, a, a crude, basic way, power is just the ability to get things done. It's to do stuff, to make things happen. And as we consider the story of Christ's birth here in Matthew, one of the things we see when we come to this passage today is that King Jesus was certainly born with a very real kind of power, even as an infant, but it's not quite the kind of power you might expect from, say, an earthly king. 
for example. And this is what we're going to consider today. What kind of power is it that King Jesus was born with and what does that mean for us? Now, I'll admit it's a bit of a strange passage to preach on Christmas Eve. I don't know if you caught this. You might expect a little baby in the manger sort of stuff on Christmas Eve. Here he is on the run from a dark and gruesome king who's trying to kill him. I, I hope that wasn't lost on you. Uh, but listen, this is what we do, right? We go through books of the Bible, passage by passage. This is where we happen to be in our series through the Gospel of Matthew. It is still part of the story of his birth and at least his early life. But more than that, I have to say, Lord willing, I hope to preach through another 10, maybe 15 or 20 at least of these Advent series. And that's like five sermons a year. And there's like five stories in the whole New Testament that you can pull from for this thing. So cut me a little slack, okay? It's Christmas. Uh, so far in our series through Matthew... Matthew has been showing us that Jesus truly is the ultimate king of the Jews, that he has come as the ultimate fulfillment of the entire Old Testament, and that God wants all people not only to submit to him as a king, but even to worship him, and not even just all of the Jews, but people of all nations. So we've already seen in our series that he is a different kind of king, even in that he's come to save his people from their sins, not simply to save a nation from another enemy nation. Uh, but in our passage today, we see the power of this newborn King Jesus set in contrast, really, with the power of an earthly king named Herod. Being Christmas Eve, we're going we're gonna to keep this pretty tight so we can all go and enjoy our time with our family. So I'm going to cut right to the chase here. We're going to as we compare King Jesus with King Herod, I think Matthew wants us to see that this King Jesus may not seem very powerful, but he is. He is incredibly powerful. And so maybe you feel like you are in need of some power right now in your life. Uh, like you could really use certain things just sort of happening and coming into reality. Maybe it is that you're at a crossroads, not quite sure uh, where to look for that power or even the kind of power it is that you want to look for. Now, I want to call us this morning to at least consider this peculiar heavenly power of King Jesus this Christmas, because what we're going to see is that there is far more to it than may first appear. Now, the story itself here is, is pretty simple, right? So the, the, the Lord guides Joseph and his family to Egypt in order to avoid this plot of his to kill Jesus. Herod gets really angry and has all these boys age two and under killed in the city of Bethlehem. Then he, when he eventually dies, King Herod, God sends Joseph another dream and says, okay, it's okay to come back to the, the promised land to Israel. And then eventually through a final dream, God sends this family to Nazareth where they eventually settle and sort of live. It's in the rural region of, of Galilee there just outside Jerusalem. So at the beginning of this story, notice Jesus is, had just been born. He's probably very, very young. By the end, he may be a, a child. Who knows exactly how much time they spent in Egypt. Could even be in his teens. But again, there are a few layers here that we're not going to be able to explore in full. I just want to prepare you. Uh, there's a lot of geography, for instance. There's travel from one city to the next, and there's some interesting significance to each. We're not going to talk about that. Um, with each setback, it seems, Matthew also reminds us about all kinds of prophecies that are being fulfilled. We will talk about that, but we're not going to go in depth to each one. And, and, and much of what happens here also is very interestingly reminiscent of the story 
of the Old Testament, and in particular, of the story of the Exodus. Jesus, for instance, retreats to Egypt, where the Israelites retreated during his time of famine many, many centuries earlier. There is a plot here to kill uh, the boys, uh, uh, the Jewish boys, and much like there was in the time of King Pharaoh in Egypt in the story of the Exodus. Uh, Jesus is able to narrowly avoid being killed even as an infant, much like Moses was when he was sort of sent down that Nile River. And then God, of course, calls Jesus out of Egypt like he does with the nation of Israel much later through the leadership of Moses. It's almost as if this story of the Exodus is being reenacted here in the birth and early life of King Jesus, as if through him, God is doing a very similar, if much bigger, work of deliverance. But beneath the surface of all that, Matthew is basically comparing these two different kings and their two different kinds of power. And so let's just make a few observations about both here to sort of set the stage. First, I want you to notice King Herod's power is very loud and intimidating, right? As soon as he finds out he's been tricked, he becomes furious, it says. He has all these boys in Bethlehem killed, right? God, who is giving these dreams to Joseph, seems to think it's not even safe for the family to live in the region he rules over at all until he is dead, right? So it was very hard to miss King Herod's power. It would have been very terrifying to be on the other end of it. Meanwhile, King Jesus' power is, is far more quiet and unassuming. He is quite literally a baby in this story. He's now part of this very ordinary Jewish family. At the moment, they're on the run as sojourners in a foreign land. And eventually they settle in this very obscure town called Nazareth, not the far more elite capital city of Jerusalem where you might expect the king of the Jews to reside. And yet as quiet and unassuming as King Jesus' power is, clearly it is sufficient power to avoid the evil plot of a very loud and intimidating king. Next, at first, King Herod's power, it seems far-reaching. Again, it's, it's dangerous for them to even live anywhere he rules over. He has all far-reaching far power over this entire region of Judea. But with a closer look, King Jesus' power wasn't just far-reaching. In fact, it was all-encompassing. His father in heaven guides him to Egypt outside the jurisdiction of King Herod, presumably because he has power and authority even there. We just saw even last week, the, the King Jesus father, he's the father of all creation. He had these dignitaries come from a far off kingdom we don't even know about. And so Jesus and his power and jurisdiction goes even out further than King Herod's. Next, King Herod's power proves to be insufficient. As much of it as he seems to have, notice he's not even able after this wild killing spree in Bethlehem to accomplish the very simple goal of killing just one defenseless infant. It's insufficient. Meanwhile, King Jesus' power here is on display as not only sufficient, but inevitable. 
unstoppable even. Again, he's, he's a little baby being carted around by his adoptive father, but he escapes the plot of a Roman king, not to mention every seemingly tragic setback in this story is actually a fulfillment in some way of prophecy and proof, therefore, that God is sovereignly orchestrating all of this, right? You might think it was just a bad thing that Jesus and his family is on the run to Egypt, for instance, but in fact, that was actually a fulfillment of Hosea's prophecy. This is how it would go. You might think it was just a bad thing that Herod had killed all these children in Bethlehem. Certainly it was deeply tragic, but it was also a fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy. This was the way it would go. And you might think it was just a bad thing that they had to settle in the city of Nazareth rather than right in the heart of the promised land. But that in itself was also a fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. It's almost as if King Jesus' power, it is, it is so completely unstoppable, so completely unavoidable. Any attempt even to harm him only proves all the more he is God's long-anticipated king. And church, there's nothing that anyone can do to prevent or to diminish his power. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. Finally, notice King Herod's power winds up being temporary. He threatens to kill King Jesus, and then he goes about having these other children in Bethlehem killed, but in the end, it's actually he who dies, not King Jesus. And he's replaced by his son, who's apparently not as powerful as he. And so in the beginning of this story, Herod is a towering, ominous figure. By the end of it, he is dead, and all of his power is gone. And meanwhile, God's son, this newborn King Jesus, is seen to have eternal power. Again, every detail of his life is pointing us backwards to God's age-old plan finally fulfilled in him. It's saying to us, this is it. He's the one. The king is here. By the end, he settles in Nazareth where we see from here he will begin his incredible ministry of establishing this new eternal kingdom here on earth. And as we know, of course, as well, he will go on to conquer even death itself and rise again to eternal life so that he can rule and reign over all things in both heaven and on earth forever and ever and ever, never aging out of his rule and reign as we see Herod do here. And so at first glance, it may not seem like this newborn child has all that much power at all. But upon further review, we can see he certainly does. It's just not the same kind of power that we're used to seeing from our earthly kings, for instance. But we, if we have the spiritual eyes to see his power for what it truly is, it's not hard to see here that Jesus' power is far greater even than an earthly king like Herod's. So with all that in mind, let's just consider one application question for us this Christmas, and that is very simply, what kind of power are you looking for? What kind of power are you looking for? Um, if we are most interested, for instance, in this kind of loud, far-reaching, but ultimately temporary power of King Herod, well then, for example, the truth is uh, King Jesus may just not be for us. He may not be for us. 
Uh, Because at first glance, it may not seem like Jesus can really get all that much done for you in your life. Uh, He's a baby here. Uh, He's not part of some powerful, influential family. He he lives in some obscure little rural town. Uh, Even today we might consider, look, he's not even here on the earth. He, He doesn't actually rule over an earthly kingdom. He doesn't even have a podcast. So it may not seem like following him or being a citizen of his kingdom will really do all that much for us. It may seem like there are better ways to invest your life and to strive after power. We could give ourselves, for instance, to our our careers and the pursuit of status or or money. Uh, We could pursue all kinds of pleasures that are so inexpensive and accessible to us these days. We could uh, sort of get swept up into earthly politics and the many different power struggles that are raging on around us in the world today. Or, you know, we could also kind of isolate ourselves and, and, and live a life that's entirely unaccountable as if we're kind of our own little kings of our own little kingdoms. And the truth is, these may seem like compelling options. In in, in many ways, they really do, because they seem to come with a kind of power, don't they? They, they? They seem like very promising ways even to get things done and, and to make things happen in our life. But in our passage today, God is calling us to a different kind of king with a very different kind of power. He is calling us to the more quiet and unassuming and yet far greater power of this newborn king, Jesus. Now, if we seek after his power, our lives may not seem quite as gratifying, at least not in the short run. Uh, We may not fit in with sort of the powers that be in the world. We may even be labeled outcasts by some and find that some will hate or even oppose us as we see in this passage. We may be put in all kinds of odd and uncomfortable situations that we will need our God to deliver us from. And yet, is that not quite the point of our passage today? That he will. This God will prove himself faithful. This God will prove himself mighty to all those who worship his son, to all those who rely on his power because this strange, seemingly less impressive power of his is truly the greatest power of all. As a church, it is so important for us to remember this Uh, And especially in year five of church planting, especially as we continue to grow as a church, as we said, I'm so grateful for all that God's done in these last five years. In some ways, it's been been a very powerful experience. It's been a blessing in many ways. But with each new group of members, with each new budget, each year, if it goes up, and, and Lord willing, even someday with possibly a beautiful sanctuary addition, it will be very tempting to exchange the peculiar heavenly power of King Jesus for this fleeting earthly power of King Herod. It will be tempting to do things a bit bigger, to do things a bit louder, to to make much ultimately of ourselves rather than making much of this God. And the same is true in our personal lives where we can easily face some of the same kinds of temptations 
right? How can I make a bigger splash in my career or, or on, on social media? How can we accomplish a, a more and expand our influence in the coming years? Isn't all this King Jesus stuff, isn't this all just going to be kind of a liability to all that? Isn't it going to set us back a little bit? Isn't it going to complicate life even? And, and the truth is maybe in some ways it could. But what if by living in this way, by faith in King Jesus, God's heavenly power will be put on display in our lives rather than our fleeting and temporary power? And what if in the end, ultimately relying on his power turns out to be the far better way? And we can certainly see here that as loud and seemingly far-reaching as these other earthly kinds of power may appear, someday they will prove to be fleeting and temporary and insufficient. And we will find that this quieter, less, more, uh, more unassuming power is far greater. And so, listen, King Jesus, he may not seem very powerful to you this Christmas, this passage, even this service, even, it may seem worthy of, of sort of an eye roll and a yawn. But as we keep reading here in Matthew, each week we will find that he is powerful. He's powerful in all kinds of strange and peculiar ways that require spiritual discernment for us even to appreciate. Absolutely, but nonetheless, he is powerful. And this Christmas, I pray we would all be captivated by his heavenly power over and against all the other options we have at our disposal for different kinds of power. And so with that, if you would, please join me in, in prayer. Father, we thank you for this chance to be together. We thank you for this opportunity to worship you. And we thank you for this glimpse that we have, this beautiful glimpse that we have into this peculiar very easy to miss power of King Jesus. But God, we pray this season you would help us not to miss it, but to deeply appreciate it, to look to him and to rely on him for the kind of power we need to seek and to strive after you and to be made more and more like your son. We pray these things together now in Jesus' name.